promise that you'll thank me Cause baby I'ma show Cause I'm bad And you're bad And I just know that we are perfect for each other So be bad Cause we bad And it don't matter if they hear us They can disappear Cause I'm bad And you're bad And I just know that we are perfect for each other So be bad Cause we bad and it don't matter if they hear us, they can disappear for now. Tell me again, girl, is it my... Another episode of the Euro Sports Show. I'm your host, Big Baby, aka the Soul of R&B. To my right, we have the Queen, Queen Tay. Fresh, hey everybody. Fresh off the birthday tour. Oh my God, you guys made me cry. I was just <laughs> so overwhelmed with such joy, with the love that you guys have shown me for my special day, and I really want to say once again. How much I appreciate you all from the bottom of my heart. I thank you guys so much. You know what made me cry was your incredible outfit that we saw on our little birthday photo. Yeah. I was like, I was like yeah. damn, okay. Yeah, Amanda was like, oh, look at Tay. <laughs> Tay showed out. Tay showed out. For her quarantine birthday celebration. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad you enjoyed um like I said, you you deserved everything and, and more. And then we have the voice of a generation, the professor Pete Rosado. The the the, the mic. I'm trying to I'm trying to get on that Mike Tenay level up in here. You know, well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the day that Mike Tenay sends me a tweet saying, uh, "Here they call you the professor." <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, BK Matt, um, he has some stuff to handle this week. But you know. Stay tuned. We do have a smoke section starting, you know, so you're definitely not going to want to miss that. How's everybody's week been? Really good. I mean, um, in, in the PR world, a few of the accounts that I'm working on um, have a big weekend this weekend with Super Bowl weekend on the horizon. I'm so excited to see some of the campaigns that um, we've worked on. And, you know, a big shout out to my coworkers. And I, I, I hope. This is the fruit of the labor. It's been a, that's been a, that's dope. Been a long week here. Uh, you know, just real world life. Been a long week. Obviously, uh, almost threw my damn back out trying to shovel the snow this week. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got more coming. You know what it is? Is I always tell myself, okay, after work, right, the day after it snows, go outside and clear the snow. And I always end up waiting three days. So now that bottom layer of snow gets real icy. And I'm just like, man, but got it done, you know. So looking forward to, like you said, uh, some more snow supposed to be coming this week. You know, but I am definitely looking forward to the week off that will be President's Week for me. 
most definitely. Um, as a as a teacher, you definitely deserve a week a week off as well. Oh, yeah. you need some time off. I know it's been right. rough. We haven't I talked about it. Teachers. I don't envy yeah. teachers at all. My my parents used to tell me that I should become a teacher, and the only thing is, I love to teach. I love to mm-hmm. allow people to learn from me, and you know, I feel like. It's such an endearing and encouraging thing to inspire the minds of the next generation, but I don't have the patience for it. That's the only reason why I never wanted to do it. You know, what's interesting is people usually tell me, they're like, oh, you have lots of patience because I teach middle school. So I got sixth, seventh and eighth grade and I primarily teach in the seventh and the eighth grades. Um, you know, and, and, and that's usually the look I get from everybody when I tell them that. But to me, it's like, I don't have the... I have the patience to teach the little ones too. I just don't feel like I have the ability to transfer my knowledge in a way that that will break down for the little ones. I have no patience for the older kids. I have no patience for high school at all. No, middle school is worse than high school is for some reason. I think the middle school kids they're way more aggressive. They're way more hormonal. They're way more rude and mean. Um, I also have a middle schooler. My daughter's in the seventh grade, so it's like. They're at the horizon of all those issues, and my t- my hats are off to you as a seventh and eighth grader because I have a seventh grader here, and it is tough. <laughs> uh, like like y'all, um, I I've had teachers before when I was in school tell me that I should become a teacher, and then, you know my mother told me I should become a teacher as well. It's like uh, I don't know, but. The, the same energy I get from teaching, I've learned to get from coaching and everything like that. Well, that's why I have a lot of fun because I coach, uh, mm-hmm. and it's always really interesting because I'm always like the most light skinned person there. But I coached, uh, I was the assistant coach for the uh, our high school girls varsity basketball team last year. Um, and I was always working with, the, especially working with my forwards and my centers. Uh, working on just post moves and, and positioning and stuff like that. And it's always weird because when I walk into the gym and I'm like, yeah, I'm the basketball coach. Well, people are like, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. He he looking like a, like a five ten white boy. Why he coaching basketball? Uh, you know, and then I'll be, I, you know, it's funny that I coach, I coach baseball as well. I've coached football before. So I, I totally agree with you. I sometimes find that coaching uh, is sometimes a lot more liberating, even than when I teach in the classroom. Yeah, I think because uh, while at my job, I'm that was I'm um, a station trainer. I would train uh, for for the gate area and and the Jetbridge area at American Airlines, and I found it easier to teach adults, which is funny because I think it's because I'm able to at at the point at that point in time. We have we're doing the same exact job function, right? So I'm able to relate how I was feeling the first time I did something compared to being in the classroom and trying to think of and try to think about the first time I did something once upon a time. Correct. But um, let's not waste any time. Let's get into quick hits right about now. Bro, 
I almost played. I ain't gonna lie, I almost played the wrong clip. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully you did not. Welcome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to the quick hits section for the week of Saturday, February 6th. I am the one and only professor, the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. And let's get right into it with some big news. Actually, what happened yesterday in the NBA. If you were watching the Toronto Raptors and Brooklyn Nets game last night, you saw some very weird happenings going on on the court. Originally, coming into the pregame, Kevin Durant um, was unavailable to play in the game, was originally thought he was not going to play in the game. And then midway through the first quarter, Kevin Durant comes off the bench for the first time in his career, comes off the bench for the Nets, and starts playing in the game. Then midway through the third quarter, Kevin Durant gets pulled, and he is gone for the rest of the game. What had happened was apparently he was made unavailable pregame because he had had some connections with an associate who had been exposed to COVID. But then he was apparently cleared to play in the game, hence why he came off the bench. But midway through the third quarter, the NBA reached out to the Nets and said, no, he is not. He has to be pulled. He cannot play in the game. After playing about two quarters in the game, and Durant pulled out of the game and will likely miss the next couple of games for the Nets, will not be traveling with them on their upcoming road trip, as he now has to undergo contact tracing for this and uh, subsequently tweeted after the game, free me. Uh, not only, and a lot of people saying that not necessarily talking about the net, but about the entirety of the COVID situation. And we've talked about at length just how this getting out of the bubble has seemingly affected the NBA and, and COVID. And this is just another example of this insanity going on around uh, a COVID. Moving to the major leagues as we get closer to spring training, the biggest remaining free agent on the market finally signed this week as 2020 NL Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer spurned the New York Mets to sign a three-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the World Series winning Los Angeles Dodgers, giving them possibly one of the best rotations in baseball this year. Now, while the Mets did offer the highest salary in terms of overall contract, Trevor Bauer was enamored by the Dodgers offering to make him the highest paid player in baseball year to year. Trevor Bauer signs a three-year deal with the Dodgers where he will make $40 million this year alone $41 million next year. Uh, we don't know what he will be making in his third year, but he will also be given an opt-out clause after the first and second year. So Bauer could make 40 mil, opt out of the contract, and go sign somewhere else after one year. Uh, the that would, Mets, that would we're told, offered just a full long-term deal. Which, which, so I think, so he signed more or less for the flexibility and, and the fact what he's been known to do since he left Cleveland, he kind of he kind of did say at one point that he was only going to sign one year deals moving forward, so he could maximize the amount of money he gets year to year. Um, but yeah, yeah, that reminds me of like when uh, when uh, like players nowadays signing the short term deals with the um, with options. Some do one and one, some do two and ones, so. Uh, some do even do three and ones, so that um, like I said, 
they 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 look and see um how do I maximize my talent and the amount of money I make in this bit of time, especially like a player like uh any any players in general that are injury prone or just like you never know. Right. Well, the, the first time the a Cy Young winner had been on the free agent market since Greg Maddox, much late earlier in his career. Um, but Trevor Bauer would now be pitching for his third team in the Dodgers, once again giving them possibly the greatest uh, rotation in baseball this year as they still have Clayton Kershaw, uh, Walker Bueller, uh, now Trevor Bauer, one of the greatest one-to-five rotations in baseball. Moving to the NFL and talking about someone actually not getting salary but cutting salary. And yet another hint that Drew Brees may be officially retiring this year. Drew Brees has agreed with the Saints to cut his salary for the upcoming season from $25 million to the veterans' minimum of $1.075 million, slightly over a million dollars for next year. Um, if he does retire, he will still count against the cap for this year and next year, but his cap number will go down significantly, saving the Saints $20 million in, uh, in revenue, possibly putting them under the luxury to, uh, the salary cap uh, in the NFL. But yet another hint that he may be retiring, Sean Payton has said we should be hearing an announcement from him in the next week or so. Um, I don't, you know, there's, there's, you know, I do remember it, but I, I think it's 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 not so impossible to say. It's hard to imagine an NFL without Drew Brees. Um, the same way I, you know, when Peyton Manning retired, I said it's going to be hard to imagine the NFL without Peyton Manning. Um, and as much as I may hate the man, it will be very very hard to see an NFL without Tom Brady when he retires. Um, you know, these 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 are players that are just parts of the fabric of the sport. I um, mean, it's very tough to think of, you know, what happens when they're gone. I mean, most people forget that Drew Brees had kind of a quiet career in Los Angeles before coming to New Orleans and then just blew up with the Saints and what they did down there uh, in New Orleans in his career. Uh, Drew Brees, I mean, honestly, to me, Hall of Famer in five year, five to ten years, the minute he's eligible to me, Hall of Famer. Quiet. Career in Los Angeles, quiet. It was a quiet like, career. <laughs> like I forgot he was on that team. Most people, yeah, and there's a lot of people who forget that he was on any team before the Saints. I um, forgot that as well. But he was he was actually the starter when Philip Rivers was drafted to the Los Angeles Chargers. He was the starting quarter. Well, the San Diego Chargers at the time. He was the starting quarterback, uh, and Rivers sat on the bench for two years until Drew went to uh, New Orleans, and then Phillip Rivers became the starter in his third year in the league. And to think now that Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers would probably have retired in the same year. Longevity. Uh, continuing on with the NFL, one quarterback retiring, one quarterback entering their NFL career. Trevor Lawrence, the presumed number one overall draft pick, will be undergoing surgery on his left labrum, which is his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, doctors and everyone say that he will be; it will not pr affect his preparation, and he will be ready for the start of camp and the start of the season. Uh, interestingly enough, he will undergo this surgery after throwing for NFL teams on February 12th. My question is, I think everyone assumes he's going to be the number one pick. 
why even throw for teams? Like everyone knows your resume at this point, right? Everyone knows your resume. Everyone, we know the book on Trevor Lawrence. Um, if you don't go one, you're definitely going to go to the next team that needs a quarterback. I don't know if you go two to the Jets, but if you don't go one, you will go to the next team that needs a quarterback. It's not like anyone's going to say, huh, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't throw for teams. I don't know if he's going to be pickable in the first round. It's not going to change his stock in my opinion. But the last few round, the last few drafts that featured um, a quarterback getting the first pick or whatever, it hasn't doled out as well as many people would have thought due to injury, you know, due to other circumstances. Is I found like the, the recent first draft picks have kind of faltered a bit in the NFL past expectations. You know, uh, Joe Burrow. I think I think Joe Burrow had a really good rookie season. Did get hurt in his season, but I think he had a really good. Rookie I feel season. like I feel like the injury really. I I was really excited to see him in his rookie year this year, and of course because of injury, you know we were kind of robbed of that. And then who else was Baker? number one? Who else was number one in the past five years? I think Baker was a number one pick. Who? Baker Mayfield. I don't care about no, no Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Baker is rounding out to what he's supposed to be. But I, think I, I, get, finally I get what Tay is saying. I think he's finally getting there. And even with him finally getting there, I mean, the Browns still have a long way to go. I think yeah. it's, a culture, yeah. it's a culture thing for the Browns. Yeah, they, they still change, have a long way to go. Culture. Yeah, they still have a long way to go. So I, I just feel like it makes – I get what you're saying, Pete, about, you know – why throw for teams? We know what you can do in the center third. I guess he wants to show them what he can do with the team before surgery, too. Yeah, I think uh, – let me see here. Uh, you got Joe Burrow. Yeah, of course that's why he got hurt. But it sucks that he did get hurt because at the end of the day, it still doesn't change the fact that the, the first draft pick, who had a monster career in the college world, you know, we were kind of – well, we weren't going to really see what he was going to do anyway. They never played those games on our on our show, on our TV yeah. network. I would say let's let's see here. Maybe in the last couple of years, uh, so uh, 2012, um, you had um, Andrew Luck was taken as the number one overall draft pick by the Colts. Uh, 2016, Jared Goff was taken by the Rams. Um, you had Baker Mayfield taken by the Browns. Mm -hmm. um, you had Sam Bradford drafted by the Rams in 2010. Jameis Winston. Drafted by the Buccaneers in 2015, Kyler mm -hmm. Murray in 2019. Okay, um, you know so and, and then Joe Burrow. Rings, how many rings between those that from the past eight years? Who has a ring? I don't think any of those quarterbacks have a ring. Not so much have a ring, but how many of those have? I, I think I can only name two of those who've had an immediate impact. Yeah, and only, only one of them. I think only one of them has been. Uh, no. Uh, Jared Goff played in the in the um in the, in the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. He's the only one who's been in the Super Bowl. Luck, I think, Luck and Kyler Murray are the best two out of that entire group of maybe like the last ten years. Winston, I don't think, uh, lined up to any expectations. Uh, Newton's on that list, but I don't think Newton lived up to a lot. And Newton played in a Super Bowl as well. Yeah, but you know, I think Cam Newton, like, it's so it sucks because. When it comes to like injuries and stuff like that, it's so hard to be like, well, they didn't live up to expectations, 
You get what I'm saying? And it's just, it sucks because they could have had a chance to live up to expectations, but I'm a person, like I always say, I keep the same energy. Right. Like I go in on Carson Wentz all the time and we all know injuries kind of hampered his career. But at the end of the day, you, you still can't change the fact that, you know, facts are facts. And this is what has happened and what has not. And like you said, you know, we're coming to a point where some of our mainstay quarterbacks are listening, I mean, are getting ready to retire as a new breed. It's like, who's the new breed of quarterbacks? You know, we had some talented draft picks in the early 2000s. You know, you had the 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 Ben Roethlisberger's, you had the, you know, the Eli Mannings, the Philip, the Philip Rivers, you know, these people, like you, like you said, the Drew Breeses and these people are winding down and who but Mahomes and maybe Jackson, maybe Watson are well, kind Kyle of, Murray, yeah, like you said, yeah, yeah. maybe you can say these are big. These are kind of, well, besides um, Mahomes, everybody else is a maybe. Yeah. And even if you, and, and, and let's, and then just, this was going to be my next story. We talk about quarterbacks that went number one for the first time, two number one draft drafted quarterbacks were traded for each other this past week as the Detroit Lions traded franchise quarterback Matthew Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff and picks. This is the first time that two quarterbacks who were picked number one overall in the NFL draft for their respective teams were ever traded for each other. Uh, In my opinion, Matthew Stafford gets the better end of that deal. I mean, the Rams may not be the greatest team, but they have a great defense, as we saw this year. Um, and they do have two really good wide receivers in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, um, which he does no longer have Kenny Galladay, who he had in Detroit, who is a extra great wide receiver. But he's going to have a, good, a decent wide receiving core. Um, I don't think Stafford's going to get any further. I, I think he could make the playoffs it, with the Rams. I don't think Stafford will get any closer to a ring. Um, in Los Angeles than he did in Detroit. Um, but And I feel bad for really a guy like Matthew Stafford because you talk about, Tay, uh, quarterbacks who could have been franchise, I mean, franchise changing that next generation. Stafford was one of those guys drafted in this time of quarterbacks that because of where he played and their lack of being able to build a team around him, Stafford never got to achieve the heights that he could have in terms of playing in the playoffs, probably playing in a, in a Super Bowl. Because I honestly think Stafford is a quarterback who has the ability to play in and possibly with the right team win a Super Bowl. The guy has probably the best pure arm in the NFL um, outside of outside of Drew Brees the last maybe 10 years. Like in terms of being able to throw – Stafford? Yeah. Turns like the best pure throwing arm outside of maybe a Drew Brees and things like that. He had the, in my opinion, one of the best quarterback arms in football. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I still, there's still a few people I would put above him as far as that. Not even Drew Brees. I think there's there's people who have better arms. Um, I think Josh Allen has a better arm. I think that Aaron Rodgers has a better arm as well. So I would put I would put Aaron Rodgers up there. I would still put him in. I would still put him on the top echelon yeah. for sure. I mean, I still remember that one play. I don't know if you remember this play, Tay, where he separated his shoulder, refused to get taken out of the game, and then scrambles around. Honestly, this was against the Browns. Uh, scrambles around on the final play and then throws a fifty-yard touchdown bomb 
to win the game with a separated shoulder. And I'm just like, that right there is just. That's what puts me in the mind of a Brett Favre, who's my favorite quarterback of of, of all time. Um, one of my favorite of all time. But um, I get what you're saying. Carry on. Um, Lastly, in the NFL, this just happened Thursday evening. News broke about this yesterday. A tragic situation happening in Kansas City as the Chiefs outside linebacker coach Britt Reed, who also happens to be the son of coach Andy Reed, was involved in a multi-car accident that has left a five-year-old with life-threatening injuries. Three cars involved in the accident, three different families uh, involved in the accident. Britt Reed obviously will not be traveling with Kansas City to the Super Bowl. They were supposed to be leaving. They're supposed to be leaving today uh, to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, we wish everyone involved in that accident a, a speedy and, and healthy recovery. Um, we hope these children come out of this unscathed. Um, we hope that everyone is okay um, and that, you know, whatever happened uh, does come to light. Uh, and I really hope um, that uh, Britt Reed, from what we know, we do know that there was one car that ran out of gas on an on-ramp to a highway. We know that there was another car that uh, we we were told stopped behind that car. We don't know, presumably to help or what. And then we know that there was a third car uh, in which Britt Reed uh, is uh, confirmed to have been driving uh, that ended up uh, causing the crash. Uh, with those other two cars. We don't know any specifics behind that other than that. Um, so again, we do hope that everyone comes out of this okay. And lastly, to end up our quick hits, a very solemn and sad goodbye to one of the greatest African-American wrestlers we saw uh, in the last 30 to 40 years, uh, especially very, very even more heartbreaking that happened during Black History Month, the man known as The Natural or Hacksaw, Butch Reed, one half of the WCW former tag team champions, Doom with Ron Simmons, has passed away at the age of 66 this week due to heart problems. Um, many, many people pouring out condolences for Butch Reed and his career. Uh, had great, if you watched him before, he went to the WWF, now WWE, as the natural Butch Reed. He had great, incredible uh, territory feuds with the Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Jim Duggan in Mid-South Wrestling when he was Hacksaw Butch Reed. And then obviously most people know him from his time in WCW as part of the tag team Doom. Um, one of the, the sweetest things that I saw this week that was said about Butch Reed is that apparently Butch Reed was a huge, huge fan of young AEW star Hobbs. Um, and actually told him at one point that he thought he could be the next coming of Hacksaw uh, and Butch Reed kind of giving him that blessing there. So our, our thoughts, our prayers, and our blessings go out to the family and friends of uh, the natural Butch Reed. Let me add a couple of things to Butch Reed's um, resume. You see, I was more of an old school fan of late, er, late uh, 80s, and he was the most impressive, I would say, people of color on the wrestling roster. And a lot of people don't know that he played football for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he was a football player before his professional wrestling. And this guy was a natural bad guy, 100%. And what I remember about Butch Reed was that he was always in these, these main event feuds, especially like against the likes of the Hogan's and the Duggins and the, the Jake the Snakes of that era. And seeing Doom on the on my screen that was the first black tag team i've ever seen for my time 
um, him, Ron Simmons, and I think Teddy Long was their manager. And um, just seeing, like, they were before Harlem Heat. So just seeing these two really muscular Black dudes that were just destroying everything and everybody, you know, you're taught not to really root for the bad guys, but I'm just like, look, you know, but he was something else in the room, in the ring. And um, my deepest condolences, but I heard that he passed away, even though, like I said, I don't really tune in as much, but I remember the, these guys from going to the garden when I was a little girl and stuff like that. So, you know, it's sad. It's sad. And uh, go. Well, I think we lost uh, Tay for a second. I think, and Tay, I think you're 100% right. And I think, um, especially when you're talking about Southern wrestling, when you're talking about those times in WCW, especially in Mid-South wrestling, things like that, Butch Reed, uh, Butch Reed as a solo a star and obviously the tag team star with Doom was kind of the first we were seeing. And if you, and if you think in, into that 80s run, Doom then leads to Ron Simmons becoming eventually the first ever Black World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, which was an incredible feat of in and of itself and an incredible moment. Um, but, and I think, you know, you juxtapose doom a lot of times, you know, you can, especially to those Northeastern fans who weren't able to watch a lot of the Southern stuff to the Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas of what we saw up in the Northeast, right? Many right. People, they were a little after, they were yeah. a little after for sure. Cause I really don't remember Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas, because I think that's more my mom's era. Right. And most people, unless you lived in the Northeast, you didn't really see that tag team and you didn't know what was going on with that tag team because of the territories at the time. And to see two black men, even in the 80s, in the South, the 70s and the 80s, in the South, doing what they did, being booked the, the way that they were booked and being utilized in the way that which they were utilized was an incredible feat in and of itself, not only being such a great performer um, as they as they both were. Um, I know Ron Simmons, uh, very heartbroken over this. And to me, you know, this is just another question of like, I, I wonder when, you know, tag teams like this are going to get their roses. You know, when we look at tag teams nowadays and like the – you know how the tag team divisions have kind of changed and things like that. You look, you look back at these these days even more fondly. Um, you know, if you've never seen a Butch Reed match, I advise anyone who's listening to us right now go and watch one. Because let me tell you something, them guys they Jerry baby. <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, has been Quick Hit Week of February sixth. She said, "Them Jerry curls, man." That <laughs> drip. Drip, drip. Drip. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, it's funny because you mentioned Harlem Heat, and when um, listen, I didn't know too much about the tag team Doom up until a couple years ago, because um, the first black tag team I saw was Harlem Heat. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started to look back, then I found out about Rocky Johnson and the Tony Atlas. And then I'm like, there has to be something in between. And then Doom and then Ron and, and uh, the tag team Doom. And then I'm like, wow. Um, you know, and they set the stage for a lot of, like I said, all of the tag teams that came after the Harlem Heats, of course, the New Days, the Street Profits, the list goes go, goes on and on. Um, so for, uh, for Butch to have that, um, that influence, on you know even current talent, it just shows the the type of you know not just the type of performer he was and the type of man he is because we were talking amongst each other about 
the influence of Ron Simmons. Um, and yeah, I think that same thing goes for for Butch Reed, and and also who we don't speak about a lot, Teddy Long, since he was around there too. So, you know, again, yeah, I, I'll. Yeah, of course. You had like the Teddy Long. Ted, Teddy Long was something like a back in. I guess when I was a little kid, we saw him like a slick, uh, like a Paulie Dangerously, who's better known as uh, Paul Heyman. Um, these are the faces I remember when I was small. So, um, Teddy Long. A lot of people remember him as like the the uh, general manager or um, yeah, the general manager on TV. But you know, I remember him as a manager from um, being young. And Many people, I mean, I remember Teddy, and here's the thing. I didn't see Teddy as a manager, right? By the time I got into WCW, um, Teddy was Teddy was no longer a manager at the time. Um, my first exposure to Teddy Long was as a referee in the WWE, right? That was my first exposure with Teddy. Um, and then seeing him become the general manager. But it wasn't until I started to, like, as I got older and I started to delve into stuff, um, from the older times that I didn't know about yet or I hadn't been exposed to. Because, see, my first exposure to, w, uh, to WCW and all of that was when my grandfather used to show me tapes of the Horsemen. So I became a huge, a huge Horseman fan. And nice. I really only watched Horseman stuff until WCW was on national television. Um, and at that time, you're getting, like, the beginnings of Nitro, the beginnings of WCW Saturday Night um, and I believe at that time, the Teddy Long ma uh, manager character had kind of been phased out, um, sure. you know, and so my first exposure to him was as a referee. And I remember when he became the general manager of SmackDown, I'm like, how'd the referee become the GM? How does this work? Because he had a whole persona beforehand. And I think, you see, my first exposure to WCW was that it used to come on around the same time as Saturday Night Live on Saturday evenings on Channel 2. So we used to call it the other wrestling when we were kids. And that's when I first saw like the Ric Flair's, like the Brian Pillman's, like, you know, these were the guys who I kind of saw um, the butchery, the dooms, the Ron Simmons, like those people is like, that's where I was exposed because that's WCW used to come on. I think it was NWA at the time. It was trans transitioning into WCW. And that's my first exposure to something outside of WWF at the time. So it used to come on late at night. I think it used to run an hour between the hour between like Saturday Night Live and the Apollo. So we would watch it late Saturday nights before going to church on Sunday mornings. But my grandmother was a huge wrestling fan from the South. So she loved like Junkyard Dog and all those, you know, Bruno Sammartino, like, you know, just Gorilla Monsoon. Like these were the people who she spoke up with, uh, with a strong affinity. Most definitely. I think I saw Teddy as a manager in WWE when he was managing Rodney Mack, when he was managing uh, when he was yeah. managing Mark Henry, he was managing Jazz. So I, I saw him for Not a little bit and then, and then I'm like, oh, he's a referee again. And then boom, he's a general manager. So I, I get what you guys are saying. But um, yeah, let's talk about um, let's get into our main topics of today. Our favorite, our favorite has won the Rumble this year, the Women's Rumble this year. 
the EST of WWE, now the EST of WrestleMania, is um is the winner of this year's Royal Rumble and will go on to be in one of the main events of WrestleMania this year. Um, Bianca Belair, uh, what is there to say about her that we haven't already said? Uh, amazing in the ring, amazing promo work. If you haven't watched her, um, her chronicle on the network, I suggest you do. Um, she's such an amazing person. She has such an amazing story, and it was for people like her. She was she was meant to make it. She was meant to make it here. So I'm so happy and proud that we will potentially have uh, a black woman on. Well, we will have a black woman on the stage, the biggest stage of them all at WrestleMania um, after we had, you know, Kofi two years ago as, as a black man. Sleep, Naomi at, 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 a, oh, at WrestleMania too. I wasn't finished. I was going back. Mm-hmm. She was before that, she, and, and Naomi the year before, because mm-hmm. she won in her she won in her home state even mm-hmm. after coming back from injury. So uh, it's amazing, and now we potentially may have women main event two black women main eventing WrestleMania. So I get into the question here. Um, Tay, I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. How big of a deal is Bianca Belair's win? We are watching greatness unfold before our very eyes. Um, we are watching the rise of the new era of women's wrestling, I feel. Um, I think that Bianca Belair is something... I Words cannot describe how amazing this woman is inside the ring, outside the ring. Um, how she speaks, how she carries herself, the confidence, the belief the belief in herself and her abilities, uh, the representation is important, not only just for you know women of color, but women in general. Um, I think that over the past few years, we've seen the rise of the women's revolution in sports and in, w, um, and, in pro wrestling as well. Um, I feel like we're reaching that pinnacle. And I think that Bianca is the right person. I think that she has the right ability. I know we've spoken about, and I think I've heard this from, I think Pete in the past that, we wonder if, you know, it's too soon. And I feel like it's not. I feel like this was the right time. I feel like this was the right moment. And I think that she makes me believe that there's nothing she can't do. And um, it's important for young women of color to see this. Like it was important to see Asuka. Like it was important to see Naomi. Like even if it was important to see Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, and Bailey. You know, it's, it was important to see AJ Lee. It was important to see the Bellas. It was important to see the 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 evolution of where they were to where they are to the point where I feel like that is one who she chooses. I think is going to be the the match that people are going to be looking forward to most. Um, I feel like this is something that if she faces Sasha, that'll be amazing. If she faces Asuka, that'll be amazing too. Win, lose, or draw. I agree with you 100. percent And um, I, w- I want to um, before I let Peter go, I want to think back to a match we never got, which I wish we had. Uh, Jazz and um uh, and Miss Jacqueline, we never got to see that match. And um, uh, as important as those two women are to the women, the women's evolution of wrestling, um, you know, 
I think that was a match I wish we could have gotten. So depending on who Bianca chooses, we'll, we'll see. But Pete, your thoughts on how important this is? Oh, I think it, it, it's wildly important uh, for all of the reasons that Tay said. Um, you know, let's also not underscore the importance that she set a a, a women's Royal Rumble record sta- standing in for 56 minutes uh, to win this Rumble. Mind you, a lot of people, you know, and I, and, I, and I joked about this on the night of the Rumble. I'm like, yo, they're just trying to make Bianca work these last two years. Because what was it, last year she came in at two or three? This year she came in at two? Right, and had the, the the she has she shared the elimination record with um with um yeah. I believe Shayna. Yeah, and you know, and last year she had this incredible performance in the Rumble in her uh, her first Rumble, and then she wins it. And I think someone, please correct me if I'm wrong, fastest ever to win a Rumble in terms of number of Rumbles entered, because this is only her second Rumble, and then she wins it. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Has anyone won their first? Well, no, no. Because I think Rick won. When Rick came in and won the championship, it was his first ever Rumble, and he won the Rumble. I think so. Um, and, but, you know, you see how you see how entertainment fans are so fickle. The same thing happened with Roman Reigns. 2014, he did an amazing job in the Royal Rumble. Everybody was like, he should have won in the center third. The next year, he does win, and everybody wants to riot. Right, you know, and I think, you know, here's my thing. You know, here's my thing with Bianca. Right, when you when you juxtapose the two Rumble winners for this year, right, Edge and Bianca. Edge Edge's win is more of a plot device for a story. Bianca's was a crowning achievement in saying that she's arrived. Right, this is putting Bianca on the map. No, I agree with you, Tay. That's why I, I didn't say he needed it. I didn't say that, right? I said it was a plot device for a story, right? It's a plot device. That's all it is. But for- it, it, if Edge would have won last year, right? I don't think I would have been upset at that. I can see that, right? Yeah. You but know- again, for, for him, it's a plot device because, as you said, and I 100% agree, whether he, it was last year or this year, Edge with his resume doesn't need it. No, he definitely doesn't need it. Bianca, Bianca, this was a necessary win as well as a deserved win because it puts her on the map. It stamps her resume where now it cannot be ignored. This woman won the Women's Royal Rumble match and will be main eventing WrestleMania. That's it, right? We know over the course of wrestling history how many times – they have just repeated that when people win the Rumble or how many WrestleMania main events have you been in or how many WrestleManias have you been in, right? Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see who Bianca challenges. I have gone on record in saying that as as much as Bianca versus Sasha looks great on a poster, it's going to sell a lot of tickets. It sounds like a great match. I personally don't want her facing Sasha because I agree with something that Tay said you know, much earlier in this year when we've had these talks about Sasha, where I want Sasha to get her her run, right? Um, and I feel like Bianca, I also don't know if Asuka's going to keep the title all the way to WrestleMania. So everyone's assuming it's like Bianca and Asuka. I assume, and this is my whole thing, just going off of Bianca's character. I think somehow, some way, we find a way for that championship on Raw to end up on Charlotte. And you end up getting the one-on-one match. But do we want? 
But do we want what happened with Charlotte and Oscar? Remember, Oscar was the first ever woman to win the Women's Royal Rumble from my recent research, right? Yes, she was. And, you know, she suffered her first, um, she had her first WrestleMania match and she, I guess she lost to Charlotte. Yes. Now, I feel like whoever goes into that spot, I think we put the, we put the energy into the buildup instead of the, the um, outcome. Correct. situations, right? I feel like no matter who Bianca goes against, whether it's Sasha, whether it's Asuka, whether it's Charlotte, whether it's whoever, this is a moment that I feel like we're finally getting someone who can be synonymous with that that four horse women of, of wrestling. Yes. Somebody who, who you won't know who would win. It's not a, a, a easy assumption. You get what I'm saying? And I feel as if Sasha and Bianca is the match. Me personally. I think it's the match. Anything else, I feel is not, it wouldn't be the match. Can we also take a second to shout out Rhea Ripley? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Her showing at that Rumble was nothing. I feel as if, if you look at her from WrestleMania when she fought Charlotte to looking at her last last night. On Sunday, she's next to mark my words. Yeah, no, I I, I 100% agree. And I agree with you, Tay, that I think from a marketing standpoint, a booking standpoint, a lot of other standpoints, Sasha and Bianca is the match. But I feel personally as if this is Charlotte's opportunity to make Bianca. If you put the title, take it off of Oscar, put it on Charlotte, Charlotte Bianca at Mania, and Charlotte goes under to Bianca, Charlotte, who is who is billed every single time she walks out as the best athlete, the best pure athlete, the athlete, this, 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 the flair athlete, right? And then you have the Bianca character of the EST, I'm fastest, bestest, all this, right? I think that juxtaposes really well with Charlotte. You kind of get that long-term long term story of Charlotte and Bianca never getting that one-on-one match when Bianca was still in NXT and Charlotte was more focused on Rhea Ripley. And you have Bianca beating Charlotte to get that championship. I think ties so many things together and, and, and leads to a better celebration. I do agree that Sasha and Bianca is the better match and the better marketing. But I think the better outcome is her defeating Charlotte to get that win at Mania. Just my opinion. Me, personally, I don't think so. And here's why. Tay brought up the name just now. If Charlotte wins the Royal Women's title from Oscar some point in time before WrestleMania, that title shot needs to go to Rhea Ripley. So Rhea Ripley can take the belt off Charlotte at WrestleMania because of what happened last year. Um, um, uh, Bianca versus Sasha at this point has to be the match because I feel like Sasha can do can do have uh, can elevate Bianca the same way Charlotte can, and vice versa. Um, yeah, that's how I feel, more or less. But I have some numbers for you guys. Um, Bianca basically leads all the women in um in in you know Royal Rumble stats, right? Now, if we put it compared to to the men's rumble, Bianca is 
number 12 all time in in um in time in Royal Rumble with her 56 minutes i believe tying uh she'll be a little bit above Austin and um Mr. McMahon and she put in huge i think she was in the final what she was in the final the final 10 last year as well right yeah and then um in terms of number of eliminations she ties Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin as number four, number five all time in most eliminations in the Royal Rumble. Um, Bianca has um, probably another Rumble when she she has another Rumble in her to reach the um, you know the all time list in time in Rumble in general. But we compare these numbers to some of the all time greats. Bianca is moving at an accelerated pace right now. Uh, and it's amazing to see this. But um, uh, only her fourth year in the business. She only started wrestling in 2016. Right. She's that 31. Is- she's 31 years old. She's got a good number of years ahead of her. I had no idea she was 31. I thought this girl was still in her early. Like, I thought she was like 25. I, I, I did she- too. I did well, too. You know how you know how, you know, how, how uh she's 31. Me and I, I and the only I didn't know she was 31 until I looked it up earlier today, but I did know that me and her are only a day apart in birthdays. Um she's a she's also an April baby and an Aries as well. So um for only four years, four years in the business. I think she was signed to NXT in 2016. And here she is about to main event WrestleMania in 2021. Man. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like somebody who's worked as hard as she has, not just inside the ring, but outside of the ring and the things she has dealt with. I'm not saying nobody deals with anything, but her story is very unique and very relatable to a lot of um a lot of women in in general. So again, I really urge everybody to watch her uh, documentary on the network. It is, it is amazing. Um, I think a, a little gangster tears came from my eye when she won. I'm not going to lie to you. I know, uh, I know, um, I know Amanda was crying. I know Amanda cried. I know, um, Janelle cried. She was yelling and screaming. So. And shout she, out to Mark Henry. Shout out to Mark Henry for, for, for getting us the greatness that is Bianca Belair and opening that door for her. Um, you know, and he told, and he told her straight it. out. He told her straight out, and you just said it, right, Dre? He told her straight out, "I can get you this thing. You got to do the work." And she has not stopped doing the work since mm-hmm. that first moment. Let me tell you something. I can honestly say, you know, when I watched the Rumble, every single woman that walked into that ring looked phenomenal to me. Yes, I think every. Every single woman, I guess from the old school women to the newer school women and the ones that are up next, I feel as if you knew you were witnessing something that was very, you know, I don't want to say once in a lifetime thing because that's almost cliche, but you went, you, you, I knew that whoever was going to win, you know what I'm saying? There was no clear losers to it. Everybody had kind of a strong showing. Um, everybody looked great to me. And I, it makes me, you know, women's wrestling has come such a long way. And I feel like this is such a great representation of that. And I and I feel like it's nowhere to go but up from here. And if Bianca's that, that flag bearer, 
for that, you know, if if Sasha and them walked so she and Rhea and them could run, you know, that's great. Yeah. I can't you you said it you said it. Can't say it any better than that. Mm-hmm. Can't say it any better than that. So we look forward to seeing um WrestleMania season is always exciting. No matter what any 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 fans say about WWE and or how they they do how people perceive they do business because the numbers say it different. Perception and <laughs> reality. Different. Perception and reality with WWE are completely different. <laughs> completely different. Yeah. Um, especially because what they're doing, they, they're public. Especially because everything they're doing is pub public in public eye. So it's no hiding what they what they're doing. So shout out to suspend belief. You know, during such a tough time, man. I mean, there was only there was a time where if you wanted to watch any type of sports, you could only watch WWE because every other sport was 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 COVID ridden. You get what I'm saying? So it's just like to be able to still have that type of, you know, fanship. You know, I think WWE has some really passionate pro wrestling has some passionate fans. You know, some are you know passionate and some are just you know, but um. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm honest. I feel as if with WrestleMania, <laughs> I think WrestleMania season coming up and the the possibility of having fans in the stands after a year of of COVID, and there is when you look at the potential of the main events, there's almost not anything to to not look forward to. Whoever Bianca faces, you know. Like we said, because of Edge's pedigree, he doesn't necessarily need a rumble. You get what I'm saying? But the fact that he was able to overcome another significant injury to still be able to go and to be in that main event scene, it's like no matter what, like I'm I, I'm going to want to know because of knowing Edge from the 90s, I'm going to want to know what he's doing. Agreed. Agreed. So a transition into probably what the media outside of us are saying is the greatest Super Bowl in history. <laughs> um, Tom Brady and the new look uh, Tampa Bay Bucks versus the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Tom is going for number seven. Pat is going for number two. Some say he should. This should have been number three. Um, but it's going to it, let's let's for argument's sake, and and for realism, number two potentially number two. This game also has some stakes in it. Um, it now as long, this, as, the, as, long as the medium rare stakes. That's all I care. Ha, medium this, rare. Oh. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> this game has some stakes in it due to our pick, our current pick five. The only way, um, I'm not no. Let me, so here's the thing, because of um the um the the, the championship games two weeks ago, Tay has a lead, still has a one game lead. Matt would I have to two game lead one. Only one because you lost you lost a game and you won a game. Okay. So 
and Pete lost both, so Pete is in third. So and Pete, I, I, he's in third. Oh my god! I dropped. I dropped. He I lost both. two in a row. Yep. So I'm a game behind. I'm a game behind Peter. Uh, Peter is a game behind Matt, and Matt is a game behind me. <laughs> so here are some scenarios. <laughs> I can potentially tie Pete if me and Pete would be bottom dwelling. <laughs> Matt could tie you if he picks against you and 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 for whatever reason that other team wins or you just win which is what it's looking like and i already so, know who i'm picking i know who i'm picking, I am picking. It's, only, it's only two teams i know listen i am picking and i'm confident about this uh-huh the chicago bears what <laughs> bruh 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 can i just yes. say Yes. As as some of my friends would know, and some of my friends are upset about, I've had a recent change in sentiment over Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. It would be poetic justice if they won this year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because there was a lot of chatter, us included. Well, definitely us. Who was going to be? You see, I was the one that was kind of torn. You get what I'm saying? But the fact that this man left a system after, what, 19 seasons and was able to take this team, you know, with Gronk at half capacity. Less than half To the Super Bowl. It's nothing short of amazing. Let's just be honest. You get what I'm saying? And the fact of the matter is Gronk may turn up tomorrow which was the reason why the Kansas City Chiefs didn't make it to the Super Bowl a couple of years back, was because Gronk remembered who he was at the end of the third quarter and basically took that game from Kansas City's heart, just like that. He thanos them. Exactly. So, whereas the media is kind of dragging it, you know, they're putting this over you know, Marino and this person and Favre and this person and all the, I'm just like, let them play before you start to put all these expectations on their shoulders because it could, tomorrow could be a very defensive played game and it could be really low scoring. Super Bowls are usually low scoring games. You get what I'm saying? So like, let's just enjoy the moment. Tomorrow is going to be a lot tougher than I thought because I don't see an underdog. There is no underdog. There's no underdog. Tampa Bay is not the underdog. They have all the momentum coming into the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. All of it. And the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, they have the talent. So it's it's I think this is the toughest matchup of the season. And when they it met is. in the season, they only lost the Buccaneers only lost by like three points. So it's not easy to read for sure. I don't think it, it's easy to read either. This is probably one of the tougher Super Bowl picks in a while because um, you go back to a couple of years ago and we laugh about it because it happened, but to, uh, the Patriots and the Falcons, you know how the Falcons were looking oh my goodness. crazy. Falcons was looking like monsters. And I was saying this whole time, I was saying, and I was saying it, 
I was like, y'all keep forgetting that the other team has Tom Brady, right? <laughs> like, they're never out of a game. And Matt Ryan has never been the same since that game. The, the, the whole Matt- city of Atlanta has not been the same since. That was the biggest lead. I, you know, I will, that's one of the Super Bowls I'll never forget. Like a couple, almost every recent Super Bowl memory I have has Tom Brady written in it. You know, the Giants, Tom Brady. You know, with the the Eagles, Tom Brady. With this twenty eight to three, never in my life I thought that game was done. So I don't know. But Somebody named Mahomes on the other side. Matt Ryan isn't Patrick Mahomes either. Yeah. The Falcons forgot the age-old rule in football. Yep. When you have the lead in the second half, you run the clock out. You run the ball to all holy heck, and you don't let their offense get too much time with the ball. They had the best running back in the lead that league that year. Yep. They sure did. They sure did. You know, it's so crazy how roles reverse. You know, now Tom Brady for the first time in his you know, championship style career is going in as a sentimental favorite. You see how people just love a good narrative. You know, now Mahomes and the Chiefs are now like the Brady and the the, the Belichick Patriots. And now people want to see the underdog win, which is Tom Brady. Um, let me just be clear. I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win tomorrow. I'm just going to be honest right there. Um, I think they're going to give the, the, uh, the Chiefs a hell of a fight. I think it's going to be a one-score game. Does it come down to uh, in the last couple possessions? Somebody makes a mistake? No, I don't even see Mahomes making any mistakes at that point in the in 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 that type of thing. We do do we forget that Tom Brady threw three interceptions last two weeks ago against the Green Bay Packers, and it was the Packers, you know, it get was, done. The the Packers lost that game more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won that game. Let's let's, let's remember that. Yes, Matt, remember that. Yeah, there were three different occasions. A point apart, also with the times of possession that the Green Bay Packers could have won that game by at least twenty one points, twenty four points, almost. You know what I'm saying? But they lost that game more than Brady and the Buccaneers because they were looking kind of sloppy too. They were looking sloppy. sloppy. Now, what I would say is that I feel more confident in the Kansas City Chiefs this Super Bowl than I did with them against Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. But I feel as if, I don't know. Can we look at the tail of the tape or something? Do we have anything like hooked up? Like, there's no tail of the tape that's more important than the the the, the seven to uh, to well the six to one, which is Tom Brady's, I believe six out of nine, and um, right now Patrick Mahomes one 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 of one. And there, there is there is no other player in the NFL with uh, the, the. There's no other quarterback uh, directly behind directly behind Tom Brady in Super Bowl wins. The next person on the list is Charles Haley, 
okay, who has five Super Bowl rings. And then you get into the Montana and the Bradshaws and the all of them with four Super Bowl rings. Uh, Tom Brady has as many Super Bowl wins, okay, as the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise does, right, with six. Steelers are six and two in, in Super Bowls. Um, I also am picking the Chiefs. I don't mostly because of my hatred for Tom Brady, um, but because I do believe that the Chiefs have more weapons at their disposal. Tay made a very great point. There have been a lot of times this year, especially in the NFC Championship game, where Brady has not looked dominant. Brady has thrown multiple interceptions. Brady has not had great games. Unfortunately, there are not many teams that can make the plays in crunch time that a Tom Brady team can make, and also not many teams that had the weapons that a Tom Brady team did have. So, yes, Tom Brady has a team where he can throw three interceptions, and if you aren't running up the score on him, he's going to be able to come back because Brady knows how to perform under pressure. Right, There is no denying that. As much as I may not like the man as a football player, the man knows how to perform well under pressure. He knows how to play the game. Brady's not there to make the flashy play. Brady's not there to throw the 50-yard bomb. Brady is there to say, who's the open man? Who do I get the ball to move the chains next play? Um, you know, But I think Kansas City has a lot of weapons that are available. Um, you know, They have two running backs that are available to them. They have multiple uh, receivers. They have, they still have, you know, their, their unstoppable tight end. No one's stopping Kelsey. Right. Um, unless you will have Gronk go play defense and try to cover Kelsey. And even then. I still Kelsey. feel that, that Kelsey's a better tight end than Gronk. I'm yes. Sorry. Kelsey is going to run circles around Gronk. They'll do that. <laughs> Kelsey is a better, to me, Kelsey was a more dominant tight end than Gronk ever was. He is. I, you know, when I look at Kelsey, and I said that three seasons ago, and people thought I was crazy. When I look at Kelsey, it reminds me of two former great tight ends, Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez. Ah, uh, on right. steroids. That's what Travis Kelsey is. Right. Um, <laughs> Antonio Gates was taller than just about everybody on the field for a long time. He was, what, six foot five at tight end, but the boy was a former college basketball player. So the boys, when he jumped, that boy could get up to about seven something, almost eight feet up in the air, right? Um, and Tony Gonzalez was just going to bum rush everybody, right? You threw the ball in Tony Gonzalez's direction. There was no stopping him from getting that ball. And it's the same thing with Travis Kelsey. Um, listen, I have a lot of respect for Brady, what he did this year. He, you know, he took a team, um, literally, his in, I don't think Tampa Bay is where they are right now if Tom Brady is not their quarterback. Um, so of we, course not. We have to. We have, <laughs> we have to give that respect to Brady. Um, I, I do want him to lose. I want him to get embarrassed. I want him to cry on the middle Use of the field. Mike, because he's dragging it now. Oh, no. so, <laughs> I want him to cry in the middle of the field. Okay. I want somebody he's to. Not gonna, me. All right. He's not going to cry in the middle of the field. His face. None of that. I want, I want Bill Belichick to do a run-in and screw him over, okay? <laughs> I want something to end, right? Um, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, that's Bill Belichick. Um, you know, but – He's throwing the flag. He's throwing the flag. I sent Tate a meme earlier this week 
you know, the Chiefs might also have to sign their secret weapon. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the new quarterback, Jamal Manning, uh, to help win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, but um, no, but I, I, I do want, I do pick the Chiefs. Uh, but I do want, I do have to give respect to what Tampa Bay as a team and what Tom Brady uh, as a individual has been able to do this year with that team. I personally say Tom Brady, right? Because I, I, I well, I'm, I'm picking against what everybody else is picking because that's what I've been doing most of this year. But um, <laughs> I'm picking Tom Brady, and it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, especially from what we've seen, especially last last year's playoff run. He had three. Was it four? Four straight comebacks or three? They were behind, I think, in four and three games. So three, yeah, three, three straight games over ten points, and they they've come back now, the, and and that's the reason why I think Tom Brady's going to have the edge. the The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has shown up, but I think Patrick Mahomes is still going to you know he's going to light them up a little bit, but Tom Brady's a good enough game manager to where if he has a lead, they might hold on to the lead. That's how, and that's how I see it. But, but that's on the defense, though. That's on the defense. You get what I'm saying, Dre? Yes. I mean, that's on the defense. And the Both of them don't, don't have the best defense. Yeah, but the 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 um the Chiefs' offense is better than the Tampa Bay Bucks' defense. I think yeah. that is really it's going to be hard for them. They, I think that Tariq Hill and them they're going to run circles around that defense all day. I'm sorry, I think so. Even though I know that Brady got them on the offense, and I feel like he does have the weapons. I feel like is Antonio Brown playing? Uh, he has not been cleared yet, but he is questionable for tomorrow's game. I mean, I don't know. Even with Antonio Brown. And I'm not, I'm not going to discount Evan. <laughs> I'm not going to discount the other wide receivers they have. They have a good wide receiving core in Tampa Bay. But you know who my focus on? My focus is on the Honey Badger. My focus is on Tyron Matthew and how that boy plays the defensive field against Tom Brady. I'm expecting if Tom Brady's got to watch out for that boy because Math, that Tyron Matthew has a, a, a radar. For the ball, and and Tom Brady's not going to be able to be sloppy with the ball across the field, um, you know, in this game at all. No, absolutely not. He, he, if he is sloppy, they lose the game, and they lose the game large. Yeah. If he's sloppy remember, with they, the ball, they came back but, twenty-four down. I mean, it wasn't the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, but they were down twenty-four nothing to the to the Texans in the first round of the playoffs last year, and then they came back and scored fifty-one points. Right again, the Texans defense. They have most of that core this year. There's not too many pieces missing from this this um, year's Chiefs. Let me yeah. tell you something. Yeah, how close this is for me. I am only fifty-five. 45% sure in Kansas City winning over the, the Buccaneers. 55-45. Because I feel as if the experience of Brady, he's wise enough to know, you know what I'm saying, how to clock manage, you know, how to, you know, get his teams out of a deficit. But then we've also seen in Super Bowls past, 
You get what I'm saying? That not being enough. And I do think that Mahomes is a higher quality quarterback than Brady has ever faced in the Super Bowl. I agree with you on that. But, uh, but, he, he, well, yeah. yeah. I was going to say he faced no. Kurt Warner and all of that. No, no, I agree with that. By the time he faced, by the time he faced Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner was just, he, His arm was 150 years old. Right. He threw it, and his arm, like, exploded and turned into dust. That oh, not, not with the Rams. Not the, not the Rams, Kurt Warner, when he faced Kurt Warner with the Rams, when they had, you know, Falk and all them boys. Oh. You talk about that. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. I'm not talking about the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I'm about to say, like, No. Uh, but you, no, you make a you make a great point. I just think that uh, Mahomes, he's not the best first quarter quarterback either. But I think that helps. He's shown him. it. I think that helps him. He, you know, they didn't run through the Super Bowl last year. They were behind. No, they, didn't. they were behind. They were down by ten points in the fourth quarter last year of the Super Bowl and scored twenty one unanswered points in the fourth quarter to defeat the San Francisco 49ers. But and I think that helps them, right? They didn't they didn't go to the Super Bowl and just win and run through their opponent. They had to actually fight back and come back. And in a Super Bowl, that pressure is so much tougher. You know, now you have that experience of not only playing in a Super Bowl, but having to come back in a Super Bowl in which you're losing. Is it the same thing where last year, Jimmy, Jimmy G should have had them Run, well, not Jim G. The 49ers coach should have had them running the ball as well. That's the thing. You're not going to do that to a Tom Brady team. Tom Brady knows, all right, uh, it's time to run the ball. <laughs> Leonard Vernette, let's get this money. It's time to run the ball. Um, Let me tell you something, though. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is not known for turnovers and interceptions. Not known for turnovers and interceptions, but he had some some interceptions in last year's game too, as as well. In the first half, that's what I'm saying. Tom Brady was intercepted three times just only during the NFC Championship game. That is a lot. And the defense, the defense of the, the defense of the Packers is not the greatest defense in the world. They got a good defense, but they don't have a great defense. No. And they definitely, you know, I think they're while the Chiefs don't have a great defense either, they have some players on the defensive side of the ball that can cause some problems. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely see about that. But um, And I know I'm just going to say this on the record, especially okay. because I know one of, the, one of my family members is in the chat and going to take it back to him. Yes, you can ch- tell my brother Justin that I'm picking to guess his Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I know damn well that if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win, I am not going to be able to live that down because I've made that yeah. – Listen, it's bad enough, okay? It's bad enough that I was talking all the junk that I was talking this year and then did not oh, win against, against ooh, ooh, ooh. But now, if on this show, live on episode 51, I'm picking the Chiefs, and I, and Tampa Bay beats the Chiefs. I now have to face my brother, and and I gotta live up that. Oh my lord! I, I don't know what I'm gonna do in 2021. I will have to say though, my gut almost never leads me wrong when I don't go with my gut. Um, that sounds like a probiotics problem. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 
this guy. <laughs> this guy. You know oh what? You know what? I'm I'm done. <laughs> Don't pay him no mind, take. I'm not. <laughs> pay him no mind. <laughs> oh man. All right. So let's get into um, the smoke now, if, I, if, if I got that mad and I fed your dog to you, you'd be really upset. Oh, see, don't, oh don't, my don't, God! Don't pull, don't pull a carton now. Don't pull a oh, oh, oh my God! Oh man, we starting the smoke section off early. Oh man! Oh, let's get right into it. And I love animals. <laughs> Tough juice, bro. Tough juice. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's your boy BK Matt bringing all the smoke. So, today, we're going to touch on courtside Karen. Now, what happened was the King LeBron James, or the Kang, as Tavia and um, Pete would, would call him. I, I personally wouldn't, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, the King was going back and forth with. Uh, a fan, which is not, you know, it's, it's casual. It's not nothing bad, you know. You 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 tend to like to, to do things like that, you know. It 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 gives you drive. I believe he scored nine points in that quarter because he was going back and forth with that fan. Decided he was going to talk. He was going to talk his mess, you know. Do what ballers do. I guess courtside Karen felt the way about the incident, you know, and and and, and spoke up for her her significant other. I don't know if it was her husband. A boyfriend, shorty got money because I saw her Snapchat. She had some diamonds and the fur. She was looking lit, but yeah, um, she decided to you know take off her, her significant other. Again, nothing wrong with it. Um, uh, she said that you know, Sir King James said some unflattering things. You know, called her a bee. I I personally don't think. He did that, but, you know, because it's LeBron, and LeBron is pretty much like a choir boy. Not not to be disrespectful, but you, you hardly ever hear anything, you know, crazy with LeBron, but apparently told her to sit the F down and called her a B, and um, it, 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 it got kind of lit for a little bit. You know, they stopped the game a little bit. They were going back and forth, but... The worst part of it is that, you know, they got ejected. The fans got ejected for going back and forth with LeBron. I don't agree with that. Uh, LeBron doesn't agree with that. You know, he made a, you know, he spoke on it. He said, and he felt like he didn't agree with it. It was, you know, it was over, it was over-statuated, which it was. Um, it, it, like, you, you need energy like that for these games, you know. Like, you can go back as far as Reggie Miller and, and Spike. Jordan and Spike, when Reggie Miller torched us because Spike was talking so much crap. You love that energy, you know, it it, it, it brings more to the game, it makes it more entertaining, it makes it more competitive. So I don't personally agree with, you know, Courtside Karen, which is a funny name. I don't agree with I don't agree with her and um and her people getting ejected from the game. You need you need that energy in these games, especially with the pandemic. 
happening and, you know, fans now being invited back into certain arenas. I think it's like a, a small level of capacity. I think they had like 1,300 fans in that ga- in attendance for that game. You, you, you miss the, you know, the normalness of, you know, attending basketball games because fans talk crap. It's what we do. You know, we want to feel like we're a part of something special. Um, I think the NBA over overdid that. Uh, the the arena security and whoever was in charge with you know getting them, getting getting the fans ejected for going back and forth with LeBron. I think it was it was it was way too much. Um, but yeah, man, bringing all the smoke. Y'all better bring it. BK Matt, peace. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who got the smoke in that? LeBron got the smoke in that? Like, the NBA got the smoke in that? Because as far as I'm concerned, the woman was wrong. Like, you could, let me tell you something. You could be a passionate fan of something. You could spend your money. You don't tell people how to spend their money. You get what I'm saying? Like, if you spent your bread to go and sit courtside at some type of show, some type of game, by all intents and purposes, you get to enjoy it how you like. But what I don't appreciate is when people, they get those tickets to sit courtside and say disrespectful things to talent, to athletes and stuff like that. You know, things that you wouldn't say to them outside in the street. You get what I'm saying? And the thing is, we've seen LeBron's character for almost 20 years. And the only person that he's ever kind of gone in on at courtside was his mom. And he's had to sit through fans saying all kinds of egregious and disgusting things. And I think this is a circumstance similar to that. You have a privilege, miss, to sit at courtside during a pandemic, you get what I'm saying, where we haven't had a chance to enjoy games in person. Why ruin that? Now, you made it bad for all of us, in a way. You get what I'm saying? And I feel like nobody should tolerate that speech to anybody else. Now, if he would have said something just as egregious to her, he get what I'm saying? Like, let them figure that out. Get your lawyers, miss. You get what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, LeBron was not wrong. And I'm usually a fair critic. Um. Exactly, Shaq. And she had her mask down. We don't know where you were, you know, but she she crossed the line. She came at him with blatant disrespect. And all he yeah. said was, sit your ass down. He could have said more. Some of y'all favorites would have said worse. My thing is, last couple years in the NBA, and Russell Westbrook has been mainly the oh. target of a lot of this, of fans going above and beyond to say whatever they want and do whatever they want. To athletes, this is no different. Regardless of um, a pandemic or not, there's a certain there's a certain behavior you have to have, especially when it comes to professional athletes. And granted, let's say there's a crowd of um, sixteen thousand people. Maybe what you said is probably a lot hidden in between sixteen thousand people. Whatever you're saying. First of all, you're steps away from the front of the court, so he's going to hear it. <laughs> and secondly, it has nothing to do with the actual game. You're coming at him as for him personally. You're not coming at him what he's doing on the court. 
whatever your husband said to LeBron was in probably in the specs of the game. LeBron probably said something back to the, you know, to the fan because athletes and fans go back and forth sometimes. Whatever. You do not attack him and then make yourself look crazy on on, on TV. Make yourself and look crazy in front victim. of everybody. And, play, and the then play the victim and lie. It's a lie. It's so, it's so, to me, it's so sad. Because enjoy the game. Just enjoy the game. If you don't like what he's done during the game, cheer or boo. Talk about it with your husband on the car ride home. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's for. But at the end of the day, like, she makes it, it they made it bad for all of us. They did. Everybody feels entitled, right? And everybody thinks that they're part of the game. They want to be a part of the game. They want to have, you know, everybody wants to, you know, have their starring role. Um, you know, especially especially certain certain types of people. Um, but I think, you know, and, and I say this jokingly, but ain't nobody gonna do this if Ron Artes was still in the game. Right? <laughs> okay. Need we remind you about what happened? during that fateful day when Detroit and Indiana played each other. Okay, y'all forget. Good times. Y'all forget, okay, that because these players are media icons, because they are looked at as public figures, they have to act a certain way in public. Okay, and to use what Tay has always said, keep the same energy. Come at LeBron James if LeBron James was not LeBron James and did not have to keep up the LeBron James persona. I'm sure you would not. I'm sure you would not come at LeBron James in a back alley like that. You would not come at him on a street like that. You would not come at him like that or anybody like that outside of the security of an NBA arena because you know there's a million cameras there. You know LeBron can't do nothing. You know LeBron, and, and let's say that this was another male, not a female. You know LeBron can't crack your jaw in half, right? And these are all things that they think, oh, I can get away with this because you can't do anything about it. Keep that same energy, though. Keep that same energy on and off the court, okay? Because th this is what annoys me, okay? You are a fan. You are allowed to say what you want. You are allowed to boo. You are allowed to cheer. You are allowed to you are allowed to say some borderline terrible things as a fan. But keep it respectful. Yeah. And know, and and you know what? We got mad. We get mad at elected officials who who said it because they said it with a very racist tone when they told sports stars that their job is just to shut up and dribble, and that was 100% incorrect. But when you're a fan, your job is to be a fan. Enjoy the game. That's it. Okay, pay your money, pay your ticket, enjoy the game, boo, cheer, say some, say some ish, and keep it moving. That's it. It needs to end. These fans who think they, they, they want to be part of the game is a problem. Okay, it's 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 a major problem because what's gonna happen, and we've seen it in some scenarios, you're gonna catch the wrong athlete at the wrong time, and you're gonna say the wrong thing, and that athlete is gonna act out of pocket for being a public athlete. 
but they're not going to act out of pocket for being a private citizen. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminds me of? Um, going to independent wrestling shows, right? Going to WWE shows and listening to how the fans <laughs> speak at these wrestlers sometimes. It is amazing the stuff that comes out of people's mouths about people that they don't know personally, that they don't have a personal relationship with. And even then, I'm not talking to y'all that crazy the, the way these people be talking like that. We talk crazy back and forth to each other all the time, but it's nothing like what people are doing to these athletes. got to remember, these athletes are people too. They're more than an athlete. <laughs> like, I don't want to quote LeBron but, and his stuff, but that's his they're more than athletes. Mm-hmm. So. You know what's scary to me? I feel like there should be some type of more legislative measures to protect athletes from fans. Meaning, you know, not being able to find out where they live. Not being able to, to find out what type of car they drive. Their personal numbers and stuff like that. I feel like their safety needs to be taken more into account. You get what I'm saying? Like there was a couple of, of, you know, there's fans who send things to these athletes' homes, like crossing boundaries. You know, like I was talking about one of the when I first heard that um, about Roman Reigns and you know he had a brother that passed away. There were literally people on Twitter saying that the wrong brother passed away. There were literally people talking about family. These are people you don't know. It's like you don't know them. You may not like a character that they play on TV, but that's a character that they play on TV. You may not like LeBron James as an athlete, but you don't know LeBron James, the father, the husband, the son. You get what I'm saying? You don't, you don't know these people like that. And, and they must do a good job of making you feel a way about them, good or bad. That shows that they're doing a job, but it's a job. I've always said that's the at the end of the day. People always, people always like to hide behind the idea of, oh, this is America. We have freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is not equal freedom of consequence, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what people seem to forget. You are allowed to say whatever you darn well please. And we are allowed and free to react in any way we darn well please. So understand that if you go out there, yeah, you have the freedom to say some racist-ish. And you have the freedom to say some untoward-ish. But I also have the freedom to break your jaw in half because you said something that was racist or because you said something that was untoward, okay? And they, and, 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 and because of what Tay said, right, because these people, these athletes are also considered celebrities in our world, they can't do that because when they do that, they lose their careers. They lose their endorsements. They have to provide for their families in a very public fashion that do not allow them to be able to, to, to respond to these actions the way that they would probably normally respond. And, and, and because of that, while normally I don't agree that, you know, if you're a celebrity, you put yourself in a public eye, that's, that, that's what you do. You understand what comes with the game, right? I don't agree. I do agree that they do need more protection, especially athletes. Because they cannot react in a certain way unless they want to lose their entire career. And I don't believe that they should have to lose their entire career. And because they can't react the way that they should react, they should be protected in that sense, as Tay said. As somebody who's worked with celebs and, and stuff like that, you know, confidentiality and stuff is really important. You know, the the thing is, these people, 
like you said, Pete, you know, they know what comes with the territory. They know that the people make them who they are. You know, if the people didn't care for you, you know what I'm saying, you wouldn't be in a financial position that you are at the at the moment. But there should be boundaries. With everything else in life, there should be balance of boundaries. You're gonna have your your super fans who who love what you do and feel a personal connection to you, your story, and this and the third. You're gonna have that. And sometimes they go about it in a really good, positive way. And then sometimes it comes out in a very toxic, scary way. You get what I'm saying? And I just feel as if we are in a time where, you know, you can find out anything about anybody in less than in, in less than 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds could be a difference between life and death. We're talking about an ejection here. And, and the ejection is is one of the the most, I would say, tame of things. Now, what if they took it too far and followed him outside the game or followed him near? You know, you'd never know with these people. And I feel as if the NBA acted appropriately given we really don't know what was said. Right. We really don't know how bad it was. Because there's some people who are saying that his her husband called him the N-word. There are people out there who are saying that. And for him to say that they crossed the line the way that they did, and this is a man who's been taking criticism for the past 20-plus years, for him to have reacted that way, something had to have been said that was much more than just trash talk. Yeah. So while I get where Matt is coming from, you get what I'm saying, with his point, and I respect his point, we have to keep in mind that we can't make a full determination about who is right or who is wrong unless we know all three sides of the story. And I feel as if we we know LeBron's reputation over the past tw- almost 20 years. And we know that this fans who thrown stuff at him, there were fans who were burning his jerseys the moment that he announced that he was going to the Miami Heat, that hatred that came at him. And he still never said an unkind word about them. And if it comes out, if it comes out that as as one of as as Andre said in the chat, um, if one of our comments, if it comes out that any one person in that party uh, did uh, send a racist epithet at LeBron James, they should never be allowed to attend an NBA game uh, at any facility. I'm sorry. I think that those are the kinds of things that needs to happen. You cross a line, you can no longer get tickets. You can no longer come to the game. That's what that's what needs to happen. Right, just gone, gone. If we, if James Dolan could get rid of Charles Oakley for no reason, oh my God, I was so we, angry. We that. can get rid of fans who cross the line. You say something racist to a player, goodbye. Say goodbye to ever having tickets again. And I'm not talking about you can't buy tickets. Not only can you not buy tickets, but if I, if any one of my security staff or anybody at any arena, they should have your face on file. You cannot attend an NBA game again. Even if your friend gives you a ticket, we're not letting you in. Sorry. You know how embarrassing it has to be that you, your face is on every arena and <laughs> you can't be here? Do you, do you know how embarrassing that is? I mean, right. I don't even know how embarrassing that is, but that has to be embarrassing. Yeah. Right. All right, so, let him let him let him in. It depends. All right, all right. Uh, I hope hopefully his audio isn't Jack because I'm <laughs> real quick. But we have BK Matt here to wrap up the the show. Let's hear from him. Where the hood at? Where the hood at? What's good, y'all? What I missed? Oh my god! Everything. <laughs> That's what you oh missed. man, there's somebody he looked like like that, and I can't put my. Courtney, uh, the man who's married to Angela Bassett. The man married to Angela Bassett. Is Angela Bassett married? Yeah, Courtney B. Vance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, oh, I love Courtney B. Vance. He's a great actor. <laughs> that's funny. I'm out here All dealing right.
I was giving you the smoke a few seconds ago based on your opinion you about Ty Karen. And before you get deep. to it is deep. And before you get to I know he called her called him out his name. She I don't think he called her a B word. I'm sorry. I don't think he did that. I don't think he called her none, a of, none of us none of us think he, he said anything so, off the wall. Yeah. I just think like granted, trash talk is part of the game. Like we have all type of fans that say reckless stuff. Like I've heard worse. I don't know exactly what boy said to LeBron, but for them to get ejected like out of the game, I don't think it was like crazy. Like it should be like only if it was like LeBron felt threatened. I felt like that should that should be terms of objection. If they just mouthing off to each other, you are gonna talk? I think it was a little deeper than that. We gonna make Ron Artest the head of NBA security. That's it. Boy, you don't want that type of <laughs> not Ron Artest, hmm. Steven Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal? Nah. Yeah, make them the head of security. Let's make them the heads of security. And no one will ever say something they ain't supposed to say again. Exactly. Right. You don't need that type of energy. Nah, but courtside Karen, I don't like she like she was just trying to defend her man. You know, you know, you know how good women are, you know? Ain't that right, Terry? You defend your man. Let somebody say something to your man. You like, look. My thing is, I know when it's appropriate to step in. You get what I'm saying? And then one thing about me, you know, I'm not really a, I, I'm not really a talker like that. So yeah. it has to be really like intense for me to be like, yo, you know, fall back. If it was just another woman, I think that's a little different. Honestly, I think they blew it out of proportion because she got ejected. Well, they, her and her, you know, party got ejected. I think if it wasn't like the part that they got ejected, nobody would have paid more attention to it. Because all all athletes, when they, you know, when they do certain things, they look to the crowd and then they, you know, that's like the energy that they need to kill. Because I think LeBron scored like nine straight points after that, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, but I think, I, I think what your response is not taking into account. The many times fans have gone over the line in the past, let's say three years. So I the NBA it. is being is actively right now being like sensitive to the needs of the players, more or less. But I get what you're saying. The the back and forth is cool, but because of how fans have been lately, with like I said um, before, you got on Russell Westbrook and a few other players. Do you not think? They would the the um the league isn't gonna jump to defense of of the face of the league. Well, a political correct James ain't find nothing wrong with it either, honestly. Right. He 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 even felt the same way. I don't think it should have been something that they got ejected for. So I mean, if it's directed towards him and he, I don't know if he's being politically correct or if he genuinely feels that way. So I mean, I'm going off of his his response to it. He felt like it wasn't. Necessary for her to get ejected, and her um and her party to get ejected. So I mean, like I said, I get I get what y'all are saying, but if it's not something to where, like I'm being disrespected to like blows are gonna be thrown and I feel threatened, I don't think trash talking is warranted for somebody to get ejected. That's just my take on it. Thank you. But I gotta Thank I gotta go back to work. Love you guys. I holla at y'all. Love I'm you out. too. Later, bro. Later. So, um, shouts to BK Matt for joining us for a little bit. Um, just um, a quick question before we leave out and 
yeah, when I mean quick, really quick. <laughs> um, the All-Star game, right? Um, it's been some, how can you say it? What's the word? Uh, what's the word, Pete? So, uh, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's just. What'd you say, Tay? I'm sorry. Controversy. Okay, let's, yes. let's, Controversy. Let's, let's throw that right in there. Right? To me first. Like, beginning of the year. <laughs> beginning I came to you year. first on the other topic. That didn't now, you you wanted Pete to tell you a word that I could have very easily told you. Like, why, why, why Pete? Because, like. I'm smarter no. than everybody on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I have a dude on you today. <laughs> bigger, you know, the big the beginning of the season when we were talking about, oh, the NBA is going to come back, NBA going to come back. We were told that there was going to be a week off. Instead of doing the All-Star game, players were going to get a week off and a whole bunch of stuff, and they were going to relax. And now we're finding out that the, the NBA and the NBA Players Association are trying to figure out All-Star game festivities. And – De'Aaron Fox was legitimately the first person to say something. Then LeBron James um, said something, and now Giannis and Harden and Kawhi uh, and a lot of the top players in the league have come out and said they don't have any energy. They don't have any interest in an All-Star game. They don't think it should be happening. They don't, uh, they, they don't really want to play in an All-Star game. Um, now all of them have said, as they should, because they want to keep their jobs, that if they were selected and it happened, they would show up. Because, you know, as De'Aaron Fox said, it's a very hefty fine if they don't show up. Um, but I agree with the players. I don't think it's something that needs to be done. Obviously, this is a thing where television networks, ESPN and TNT, get a lot of money from the All-Star Game weekend. Um, and this is definitely something where they're trying to figure something out. In my opinion, in my opinion, there's no reason why we have to have an All-Star Game this year. If you want to have All-Star voting from the fans so that you can select an All-Star team, that's great because I know in a lot of players' contracts, there are bonuses if you're selected to an all-star team or whatever, whatever. I think what would be really cool, and this is I think what would be really, really cool, have your all-star voting, select an all-star team. Those players who would get bonuses for appearing in an all-star game, maybe make some kind of agreement with them where they can donate those bonuses or the NBA can donate money equal to the amount of bonuses these players would normally get to a charity, to COVID relief, to COVID research, to, you know, uh, uh, inner cities, whatever we want to do, right? Let's figure out a way to use the money that would have been generated for a more, a better social cause than going out there and having these players who don't want to be there be forced to be there to play a game they don't want to play. Tell your thoughts. Um, I, hmm. I definitely see why the players feel the way they feel. We're already in a shortened season. Um, we have seen other seasons where it was a shortened season and it was still an all-star game too. So let's just be, you know, I have to look at both sides of the coin. Now, whereas I can understand why players feel like, oh, you know, we're already tired. We're already playing this. We're already doing this. We're already doing that. Um, there are so many people who didn't get that opportunity to play that much in the bubble either. You know what I'm saying? There's people who have more more rest than others. I think maybe something like a next up type of all-star type of thing where people who didn't get a chance to really play last year, you know, people who are still popular, I think they should do something for the all-star game. Um, I also think that there were people who participate in kind of the auxiliary events like the slam dunk contest, like the three-point shooting contest, those skills contests. I think those are were more of the star attraction 
than the actual All-Star game that's played on a Sunday. I think we should still hold those because a lot of people who were playing those um those skill challenges are not on the All-Star team too. So maybe I, something like that. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's a fair compromise. It is. I think the skill challenges should be, yeah, should be, be done remotely. Yeah, you can have those do remote. You can have each arena that a player is selected in set up a course, and you can do a video virtual dunk contest, virtual skills contest, which your judges watching it on Zoom or whatever, and judging that way. You know, that way you don't have to have everybody in one arena. Right, it, it can be done at any time. That's, that's right. the lovely the lovely piece of it. You take about an hour out of your day, you know, during your break and do these spectacular dunks that you're known for or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that. I think you do that. And I think that you do something for charity. And I think you yeah. go with an all-star week. Yeah. I, I know the players want all, friend, if you know, but Tay did give a valid point on a shortened season, um, and I believe the most recent shortened season was the 2011 season. 2011, 2012 is short. 2010, yeah. One of those, yeah, one of those seasons. They had a shortened season. They had, you know, they had an All Star game. Now, in terms of the time between playing, I understand why players are like, no, nah, I don't feel like playing. But at the same time, again, if you are Voted in, and if there is a game, of course, you they, these players are saying they're going to play. I agree that I agree with the players for you know, for for fulfilling their duties if they if it happens to to go down. I, I think it's very key what a lot of these players were also saying. Mm-hmm. They were also bringing up the idea of the pandemic, and they were just like, "Listen, we're not we, we are so restricted in what we what we're allowed to do, and the amount of people we can be around, and who we can do this. We can't have family with us." as we normally would when traveling or restrictions when we're in certain cities and stuff like that. And I don't, you know, I don't even think they're talking about just like personal things. They're just talking about game day restrictions. Can't, can't shake hands with the opposite team. Can't exchange jerseys. You had Kyrie get into that issue where he wanted Joel Embiid's jersey and they told him no, right? Security came and said, we can't do that, right? You have all these restrictions put in place, but now you're just going to throw all that away for an all-star game, right? Because you want to have everybody here and all this other stuff. Like, it's. I think those are a lot of great points that these players are bringing up. There's, there's, there's just not a, a, an emotional energy that they would normally have for an all-star game. And I definitely don't think the players would be opposed to doing something for charity. The, the amount of money that the NBA would normally have to put up for an all-star game weekend would do very, very well being donated to, cha- to charitable causes. Agreed. Agreed. So um, as we wrap this up, shout out to the whole Driver Tears Network. Um, two and a half bros, Sazon talk, um, talk of champions, game night with Mike and Nelly. Uh, as you saw at the beginning of the show, Mike um, just dropped a um, just dropped a single. It's on iTunes called Bad. Make sure you look for it. All streaming platforms. Um, again, shout outs to um, shout outs to Tay again. She's doing a lot of great stuff. We can't talk about it, she, but she's doing a lot of great things. So shout shout outs to her. Pete is trying to say something, but he's muted. It's okay. <laughs> um, shout, but um, shout out to BK Matt. Shout out to Pete again. Uh, we're all doing great stuff uh, yeah, we outside are. the show. Huh? We all are. 
Yeah, we all are. This year, we uh, we said it's going to be a big year for, for us individually and collectively. So I, I cannot, definitely cannot wait. Um, and oh, the job we're having our first viewing party <laughs> on the twenty first. The Jobberteers are having their first viewing party of the year at Legends Bar on the twenty first. Of course, limited capacity because of you know, all this fun stuff that's going on out in the world. Um, bring your mask, temperature checks will be done, social distancing will be practiced. Um, and that's about it. So, for the queen, Queen Tay, for the voice of a generation, a.k.a. the professor, Pete Rosado, it is, oh, and for BK Matt, <laughs> it is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace.